I started uh, in Matthew 21, if you want to go ahead and turn there, Matthew 21, and I uh, got to the first two verses and kind of stopped there, first three, stopped there. We're going to pick up and see what God has for us. Uh, so as we continue, I'm going to give you a little bit of uh, backup just to kind of give you a context where we are. But if you're keeping score at home here uh, or in the pew there, if you have faith and do not doubt is the title, which is basically the last two verses of this passage. So if you have faith and do not doubt, Matthew 21, let's bow and ask God's help to pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. Lord, be, meet with us today. Lord, I need your help to communicate your word. You will do that with you, what you will with the word. And I pray that you would not let it return void unto you as you have promised. Uh, Lord, as we look into your, your word, may it change us. May we see who, you, see who you are. May we focus upon you. May we respond in faith to a great God who has loved us and has given himself for us. And we thank you for who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 18, now in the morning, when he is returning to the city, he became hungry. Seeing a lone fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it except leaves only. And he said to it, no longer shall there be any fruit from you. And at once the fig tree withered. Seeing this, the disciples were amazed and asked, how did the fig tree wither all at once? Pausing here just a moment, we notice from the passage that here and in Mark and in Revelation, that good enough isn't good enough. He came to a fig tree, a fig tree that was uh, purporting to have figs on it because it had leaves on it, and there were no figs when one could reasonably be assured of expecting figs. And we, we, we made the application to our own lives that we can be full of, quote-unquote, leaves, green, growth. We can look as if we are growing, but there is no fruit. There's nothing to, to say the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is not happening. There's no fruit in, in how we minister to others and give the gospel. And God does not like that. God is displeased and greatly. We went to Revelation. We saw, uh, I would rather you be cold if you're not hot. I, I you know, spit you out your mouth since you're lukewarm. And we looked at the, the last part of the verse, and he says, you think that you're rich and, and you're wealthy and you're, you're all taken care of, but you're naked, you're poor, you're blind, you're wretched. So that the contrast is very stark in how we see ourselves and how God sees us. And so we stopped there, we, we closed the, uh, uh, the message last Sunday just with the understanding that in the Christian life we are to be growing, we are to be progressing. And if we are not, we are to take stock of that, and we are to to go, first of all, and confess to Christ uh, of our sin, and we are to go and, and take upon ourselves those things that are the fruit of the Spirit, those attributes of Christ, and we are to grow in Him. So, but let's continue with the story here. Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt... Let's stop here a second. He's gonna make a, a, he makes a conditional statement. If you have faith and do not doubt... Well, what's he talking about? We have faith. Well, it's a common word uh, that we have for faith in the New Testament. This word is to believe in, to place one's faith in. You might uh, put it this way, a, a sense of the word is a strong confidence and a reliance upon something. And here, obviously, it is upon God. He says he wants us to have faith, reliance, 
a confidence, strong confidence. But on what? Now, he has talked about this before. I made mention this morning to mustard seeds, and I did find a picture of a bunch of mustard seeds in a hand, not my hand. Uh, no cargo pants there. If you weren't there, you listened this morning. Um, so mustard seed, these are actually probably, um, they don't come out that dark. These are a little darker than they normally are. Maybe they've been prepared or, or baked or something, I'm not sure, on the process. But mustard seed. And Jesus said, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, which is very small, he's not talking about the effort, the, the building up of a large bit of faith. He says it doesn't take much faith. Instead, it's the object of our faith. And that is where, where we must understand as believers, it is the, indeed the object of our faith that makes all the difference in faith. And the object of our faith, faith is first and foremost, always God. And you say, well, I have, I have faith in people. I have faith in this. And, and we, we, we tend to place trust in others we tend to place, place trust in our own strength, I think, and our own ability, our own goodness. I think that's where we often fall most quickly, is that we place our faith in us. I think I got this, God. I think I got this one. Yeah, I learned the last lesson, and so I've got this one now. And faith must always be in God. God is the, always the object here of faith, spiritual faith. Well, he adds another phrase, and do not doubt. A word here is, means to waver or to pause, to hold back because of uncertainty. And there's uncertainty. The picture here is the uncertainty of the mind or of the heart. Uh, there's that, that you start and you have doubts. What kind of doubts? Well, just as we often mistakenly have faith in ourselves, we often doubt ourselves. Am I worthy? Am I worthy of God's attention, of God's a grace in my life. Can I have that faith if I'm not, if I don't feel as though I am worthy? Often we have doubts of God. Often we doubt God and we say, oh, no, 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 I, I, don't, I wouldn't doubt God. But then we live as a practical atheist when we say, well, I don't think I can handle this. Let me go handle this for myself. We doubt God. Can God overcome this, these circumstances that I'm in? That's doubts about his power. What is his disposition toward me as an individual, as a church? Is he angry? Does he begrudge giving blessing to me or to others uh, in the body of Christ? Does he know what's going on in my life? That's doubts of his omniscience, his knowledge. We doubt his power, we doubt, or, or we doubt, is he even there, his presence? I really don't, don't feel feel as though God is there. So there are great doubts of the heart. And so this is what Jesus is speaking of here in the Gospel of John. He says, if you have faith, strong confidence, reliance in, and do not doubt, have a wavering of any of these things. And then he makes an amazing statement. After this conditional statement here, he says, "Jesus, uh, there we go, and you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, it will happen. Ooh, well, wow, that's kind of that's huge. Mountains, I mean, put Caterpillar out of business. Or what other earth-moving company that you may happen to, to like or work, work for? What's he meaning about this? What, what's this mountain into the sea business? Um, 
He probably, and I didn't bring a picture. I, I downloaded it, but I didn't bring a picture because I didn't have a great one from my camera. Um, but so they're coming over on the way to Jerusalem. They're passing by from Bethany into Jerusalem. And maybe he's, he's, he looked around, he looked over, and he was saying, like the Mount of Olives, that mountain. Maybe he was gesturing there, or maybe there was some other thing. But he said to be cast down. Or maybe he's, you know, the Salt Sea or Mediterranean. I'm not sure where, where he is pointing. We don't know. In fact, theologians really don't understand or, or interpret, actually interpret both ways. But what is clear here, that Jesus is speaking, if not speaking of a literal mountain, he is speaking of something to us seems impossible. Just as impossible for in their day, without Caterpillar and whatever other earth-moving company, they are not going to move that without lots of men and lots of years leveling the mountain. Seemed impossible to them. What he is saying as to the disciples here is, that which seems impossible to you can be done. Can be done. You will pray, and God will do. God will do what seems impossible. Let's back up, 21. And Jesus answered and said to them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and cast in the sea, it will happen. And then he adds this, And all things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Whew. Let's go. Close the Bible. Let's sleep. What is he saying? I think, first of all, we need to be amazed at what he's telling the disciples. In our understanding, we are weak, we are uh, not strong, we can't do these things, but God is. God is more than capable of doing all of these things. But he did give conditions. Faith without doubting. Faith without doubting. Uh, Parameters, if you would. And he says here, all things, um, we, we under this context of Scripture, we, under, we understand uh, this morning we dealt with a passage according to God's will, but all things according to God's will. And these all things are, are, pretty, are, are pretty broad, I would think, but I think they meet the, everything that meets the condition that God has stated in his word. And so let's, let's take a moment here before we come back to the, to the main central point of the text. Let's take a moment and consider what God has said in his word about prayer. And I'll give you some general parameters that he has said in his word. And we're going to say it this way. God hears and answers the prayers of those who, number one, John 15. John fifteen seven. he says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. What is the parameter there? Abiding. Abiding. Remaining with God. So you have that understanding here. The parameter that he's speaking of is that we are abiding. So God hears and answers the prayers of those who are abiding with him. What else? How about from 1 John 3.22, a reference this morning. God hears and answers the prayers of those who keep his commandments and do what, what pleases God. Here, here's the verse. We have this confidence before God 
And whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. You're starting to see a pattern here that this is, these are promises made to the one who is following God, who is staying close to God. Not only remaining and abiding, but also the one who is, um, in, in 1 John, who is a practitioner of righteousness. And in, in 1 John, we understand we don't always get it right, this practicing of righteousness, but it is, that's the bent where we have from, from God and salvation, is the bent to do right. And to do those things that pleases God, we understand, we seek, and God answers and hears the prayers of that person who not only abides and remains, but also who seeks to please God. What else? Well, James tells us in James 4.3, God hears of the, the prayers and answers of the ones who do not seek answers for their own pleasure. You remember the verse possibly, you ask and do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. And James tells us, you, know, you can ask all day, but here's, here's the deal. Um, you're not receiving. You're upset because you're not receiving because you're asking from wrong motives. You're, you're asking to, to benefit yourself and to, to have, and to hear this idea of pleasures or lusts to, to, um, to do, we think, sinful lusts. So you ask for things that would feed your sinful lusts. And you wonder why you don't get answers. Well, that sometimes is the human mind. We don't always do things quite logically according to his word. So we, that's our third condition. Okay, remaining, keeping his commandments, do what's pleasing. Here, not asking your own wrong motives to, to do it on your own pleasures. But God also asks, uh, answers and, and hears and answers the prayers of those who have not, or who have forgiven, I should have put it in the positive, who have forgiven those who offended them. Here's the verse. Make more clear there. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you shall receive them, and they will be granted to you. Whenever you stand praying, forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father, who is in heaven, will also forgive you your transgressions. Particularly, he's looking at the idea of, of, of asking and receiving forgiveness for our transgressions. But there is the understanding that if we're holding something against someone, they, they made us mad, they, they wronged us in some way, and that we are asking God for things, it's not necessarily he's going to hear and answer this. He will hear, but he will answer it in the way that we think we, we want. Because why? Because we're not forgiving. We haven't forgiven. For, tenderhearted one another, uh, forgiving as God for Christ's sake has forgiven us. That's the idea. So another parameter, another parameter. And we saw this morning praying according and harmony with the will of God. We saw the verses that were, were tremendous. We ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so you have this passage of pray in faith without doubting, and you have guidelines or parameters that God has given to his word. And there are a few others. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. We're praying. But these are kind of the ones that we really, we see as guiding us in prayer. So that we, when we come to prayer, when we come to, the, to bring our request to God, we have to understand that. And you say, well, but he said all things. Well, so all things means all things. Well, understand this. Um, back in the day, when I was young, um, 
our parents allowed us to ride the bikes in the street because they weren't as well-traveled as they are now. Not in the freeway, okay? Not I-85, but uh, on the neighborhood street. And so I would say, hey, Mom, can I go out and ride my bike in the street? And she said, yeah, but what would she say? Watch for cars. Thank you very much. Very good. Yes, she granted, or my father granted, but there were parameters. There were understands and, and, you know, keep within, keep off the neighbor's grass and stuff like that. And so here's what, that's what God's doing. He said, here's how I care for those who follow me, who love me. Here's how I promise and I am ready and waiting to answer the requests of your heart and of your soul. And But yes, there are parameters. It's not open season. Ask anything to do with my own lust or, or whatever. There are, there are ways that we approach God and he's answering the prayer for those who are following him and are loving him and, and seeking to do what he desires. Yes, he does answer. So what do we learn? Well, number one, as we pray in those parameters, we have to pray believing. Now, because of what he has said, do we have faith? Do we have faith to ask and to expect an answer from God? Well, Stacy is a little presumptuous. No, no, God calls upon us to ask in faith, to cry out in faith, to ask him. He invites us. We saw this morning the, uh, the concept of being before God's face. It's right here. It's not like, you know, stiff arm. God's not stiffing our arming us here like this. Do my husband. No, I won't do my husband pass. Um, he's not stiff arming. He is, we're, come, come into my presence. Ask. Trust. Trust the object of our faith, God. Trust that he knows what's best as we ask and will give us what is for his glory and our best good. Pray believing. Romans eleven six. Remember this one. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him, earnestly or diligently seek him. Promise from God. It's believe. He promises to reward, to hear, to answer. See, we have a God who hears. It gives me great sadness and pity when I see people in other religions bowing down to a God which they themselves have fashioned. They have made it out of wood or, or some other substance, and they have, they've carefully crafted this, and then they bow down and they give it food that in a couple of weeks they have to come by and, and dump that food because it's spoiled now and place more food. A God that does not hear, eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear, hands that cannot lift, feet that cannot run. The psalmist talks about this. This is not our God. Believe that He is and He's rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. But what about waiting? But what about waiting? We often wait. There's often times that we do wait on God. And that's where faith comes in. 
faith comes in to know that God is God understands in his omniscience the best thing. Not the most expedient for me thing. The best answer. The best way to give his glory. Ian Bounds writes um, in his book on prayer. He says, Yet faith is often called upon to wait patiently before God. And it's prepared for God's seeming delays in answering prayer. Faith does, does not grow disheartened because prayer is not immediately honored. It takes God at his word and lets him take what time he chooses in fulfilling his purposes and in carrying on his work. So the integral part about faith is that supreme trust in God, first and foremost, his timing. And maybe you've had that, where the prayer that you wanted answered had a certain time date, and God extended past that. And to the best of your ability, you thought, I'm in the parameters that we already discussed. I'm in those parameters, and I'm praying, and God still hasn't answered my prayer. Is God any less faithful? Are we not to trust him? Is he less reliable because he does not answer in our timing? See, faith says we trust his timing, his work. But lesson two is don't doubt God's ability. Don't doubt. I think beyond the, the, all the things of parameters of walking with God... This may be our, our toughest one. Um, doubt is... Doubt seems to be a multiplier of our extreme problems. It takes our, our difficulties and um, multiplies them in, in a way that, that sometimes overwhelms us. And you and I must instruct our hearts and our minds not to doubt. And we must instruct our hearts and minds to believe what is right about God. To rehearse in our minds what is true about God, moment by moment if necessary. So that we, in in our trust... We say the same things that God says about himself and that we remind ourselves often of who he is. The great and grand and glorious God and powerful God. We do that by rehearsing scripture to ourselves. We memorize the goodness and the grace of God through his word. Don't doubt God. And and I would say... So Satan has a couple things. If he can't get us uh, with just like outright sin, he's going to discourage us. And he likes to feel that all, I mean, he can do both at the same time. He likes to discourage us. And he has the age-old thing. What do you say to Eve? Did God say that? He introduced doubt in the garden. I mean, that, that's kind of his go-to. If, if he can't get us anything else, I got this one. Doubt. 
understand what happens, understand the, the, the frailty of our flesh and our minds, understand what Satan will do in our hearts as we, as we struggle with faith, understand that, be prepared. Be prepared by God's word with those things of doubt and rehearse yourself, rehearse yourself what it is about God that makes him God. But he is great and powerful and mighty. Don't doubt his ability. The question I have for you tonight is, how is your prayer life? Um, there is no Christian, how's this for an absolute statement? There is no Christian who grows without prayer. I, I don't need it. I don't need time with God. I'm okay. There is no Christian who grows without prayer. In fact, at some point, if you go so long, I don't see your heart, but then I start wondering. If you don't want to spend time with God in prayer, then maybe there's something going on here. Or maybe there's so much there that you, if you go to God, then it really peels back the onion that we don't want to do that. Keep it there. Spending time with God in prayer. It is a spiritual discipline. It is something that is work. Talk about the Christian life being simple. It's not complex, but it's not easy. It takes work. It takes work. See, as much as I like to think that you get so much from coming here every Sunday, it ain't enough. I'm Southern, I can say ain't. It's not enough to come here on Sundays and hear God's word and not listen or read or pray until next Sunday. Not enough. You'll be spiritual well, thirsty, dry. Throw in your own adjective. It will stunt your growth. How is your prayer life? Have you checked the conditions? Maybe God's not answering because you're not following him. He answers the prayer of those who abide with him daily. I won't walk through the list again, but those things need to be there. God does not... He's not saying, okay, I'm waiting for you to trip up and fall, and then, ah, good, I don't have to answer his prayer. That's not the disposition of God toward us. In, in no way through Scripture do you get that, that God is waiting for us to mess up so he doesn't have to answer our prayer. That's not what he does. God desires to answer. And so run through the checklist. God, if... And, and, Maybe you've been here. I've, I've, I've had to say many times, Lord, if there's something that's not, that I'm not seeing, that I haven't confessed, I, I need to know. Show it to me. <laughs> and he will. Um, and confess that. Quickly. Quickly. You know, faith is something that Jesus predicted there would be a decline of. In Luke 18, um, he says, he predicts the decline of, he says, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith in the earth? So the next statement I want, to, I want you to see is, is this. Will you partner in prayer? So first of all, your own prayer life. But will you partner with someone in prayer? Someone else in here, this body, or someone else, um, another believer. Will you partner in, in prayer with your church? Right? Some of you visiting from out of town. Some of you are uh, just here and 
come here a Sunday or two, and some have been here a long time. Will you partner in prayer for the needs of the body and the church? Will you be such a one that God can impress upon your heart to pray for someone, and you don't even know the reason? Walking with God, listening to his voice as you read his word, praying. Praying. How is your prayer life? And so with this aspect of mind, what would God do in our congregation if we all purposed in our hearts by God's grace to be in his word and to pray? Pray possibly for the very first time in your life in such a way that God listens and hears and answers. What would God do in our community with a church, with churches of believers who no longer desire to minister to ourselves but to the outside, to the community, who were willing to pray bold and grand things for God's glory, God's purposes here? How would it change you? How would it change me? How would it change our church? And how would it change our community? Praying in faith and not doubting. How about it? We rise to the challenge. Let's pray. Gracious God, I thank you that you have not left us alone. You have given us the Holy Spirit. You have given us the opportunity to come before your presence, to bow down to you, to cry out to you. Oh God, thank you that sometimes we come and cry out to you and it is just the anguish of our soul. And you hear and you understand. And we, like David, cry out for the, the billows that over uh, seemingly will overflow us and, and pummel us. And you welcome those cries and you welcome the cries of those who desire to know you more. You welcome the cries of, of the, the young and of the old. The desire to know your heart, O oh God, you receive that desire and you answer. And if God, as, as we have read of, uh, in the past of many great men and women of old, of you doing wonderful works, would you do those works again? But as we have seen, it starts with men and women praying. And so would we, would we be those men and women? Father, I pray for those who are here who are just starting their Christian life and their walk. And I pray that they would grasp the concept and the opportunity that they, that they have to pray. And they would have a continual walk and a talk with you as they go throughout their days, they would learn to know you, learn to love you, and learn to pray with you, to you. And God, I pray that you would do wonderful and miraculous things. Father, you're a God that is all-powerful. 
May we not treat you as a God who has no power. So Lord, we bow ourselves to you. We humble ourselves. We bend our will to your will. And so may we pray according to your will, according to your heart's desire. May we pray in faith, believing, because you are the object of our faith. May we do so without doubt. Thank you that you've invited us into your presence. May you be glorified through our lives and through our church. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.